On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. I continue to be surprised by the resilience of Iowa manufacturers and businesses. There's optimism in Iowa's business community as the fourth quarter draws near. The impact of the pandemic on women in the workforce. And we'll tell you about a company which started from one author's desire to tell stories. This is the Iowa Business Report for the third weekend of September 2020. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry has been the voice of Iowa business since 1903. Learn more online at iowaabi.org. Here is Jeff Stein. Each quarter, the Iowa Association of Business and Industry surveys its members on a variety of topics. And despite the impact of COVID-19, there is decided optimism for the rest of 2020. Mike Ralston is president of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. We spoke via Zoom just after the survey results were released this past week. Well, Jeff, I continue to be surprised by the resilience of Iowa manufacturers and businesses. The survey shows that when it comes to business and sales for the next quarter, almost 90% of those who responded say things will either get better or stay the same. Only 10% thought they would have fewer sales in the fourth quarter than they do now. And that is obviously a very positive sign for Iowa's recovery and economic growth. Based loosely on a pre-COVID-19 era, did you have that same sort of spread where only 10% were, in essence, thinking things would go down, say, a year ago, two years ago? It's interesting. Uh, So last year at this time, pre-pandemic, uh, there are actually more people who thought sales would be uh, down. So it, it, it's just amazing that the survey is so bullish, but it sure is good news for Iowa that it is. And I suppose that's part of the, we're all coming out of our basements and we have this pent-up demand. Uh, it's probably that, as opposed to mere optimism, don't you think? Your people are pretty rational. I like to think they are, and they, uh, I, I believe that they are. Um, and what's amazing, uh, they've had to work so hard with this pandemic to identify new vendors, work through supply chain issues, uh, find new markets, all that has led to this increase in sales for, again, the majority of those who responded. And that's terrific. That's certainly not an outcome that I predicted. We have been concerned about people who have either been laid off, furloughed, flat out terminated because of COVID-19. What's the sense with regard to staffing size? Because that is certainly a barometer of, shall we say, businesses confidence in how things will go there's good news there too those who responded it's still far and away their number one issue hiring and keeping good people uh, almost everybody who replied to their survey is hiring they're, they're looking for people across the board although operations people seems to be the number one priority so again uh, not necessarily the outcome i predicted but uh, sure i'm glad to see it when you have more than half of the survey respondents 53 percent say our number of employees is going to remain the same. We're not going to drop. And then when you have another third, 37%, more than a third, say the number will grow, once again, that math totals 90%. And again, that is just amazing to me, given everything we've heard. So what's different about Iowa and Iowa's businesses as opposed to perhaps other parts of the country? I think a couple things. Iowa benefited from some other states who uh, 
uh, adopted shutdown orders, took uh, manufacturers out of production. Those customers of those manufacturers had to go somewhere. In many cases, they came to Iowa manufacturers because Iowa manufacturers were deemed essential. We certainly believe that they are, and they kept manufacturing throughout the whole thing. So that's that's one thing. Secondly, again, uh, Iowa manufacturers are in a little bit of better place than those in other parts of the country. Uh, they don't have a lot of inventory. Uh, they don't have a lot of debt. They're really well capitalized, and so they're able to take advantage of business cycles perhaps a little easier than some. This is beyond the scope of the survey, but you talk to your members every day in a variety of ways, and so I trust you have some insight on this. Because there were people who were let go, laid off, furloughed, did that lead to, I don't want to say a bidding war, but lead to individuals finding a different outlet in some of these businesses able to capitalize, not poaching per se, but if there was a significant workforce at Liberty, that might have actually helped in sort of a redistribution of employees and workforce? You bet. Totally understand what you're talking about. And we wondered about that. We've not heard a lot of that, frankly. In in most cases, if I understand what our members are telling me, uh, even if they were shut down, and we did have a couple of members that while it wasn't mandated they shut down, they did shut down. They were for defined periods of time. And so workers understood that, hey, if I uh, just sit this out for two weeks or in one case, 30 days, I'll be back at work. Don't have to move my family. Don't have to make changes. And so we're not aware of a lot of that redistribution. But I'm like you. I thought it would happen. And that, again, speaks to the strength of the manufacturers, businesses generally, who could say, we can ride this out for a certain period of time. And I trust the assistance from the governments, state and federal, probably played into that. It did. There were a number of Iowa employers who took advantage of the Paycheck Protection Program. You and I have talked about that previously. Uh, The state assistance surely helped. And so, again, all that together made it possible for these folks to stay in business. I think it's one more opportunity, too, to think Iowa workers. They stuck with their employers. They've been a part of the the, uh, effort to ride this thing out. Uh, I mean, an important part of the effort. And so we're really fortunate. Two other things I'd say, one that still just amazes me, and that is that almost 60% of those who responded to the survey said that they plan to make capital expenditures in the fourth quarter. That's just terrific. I mean, what a a sign of optimism to uh, say that you're going to make this capital expenditure, but boy, that's, that's just fantastic. And then secondly, for the first time, though, we did see concerns mentioned about employee wellness, uh, mental health, uh, employees' uh, well-being, dealing with issues like child care and what do we do if our kids can't be in school and all those things. So while our employers often cite their employees as their first concern, there are some specific things that haven't shown up in the past, mostly pandemic-related. Well, let's follow up on that before we circle back to the capital expenditures number. Mm-hmm. When I talked with your team at the beginning of this year, they mentioned child care was an issue that they were starting to hear more and more about. Does this have to do with the stress of uncertainty? Does it have to do? And then there's also social unrest in various pockets of the country, certainly in areas of Iowa. Is that all just part of what many analysts are saying is a general feeling of, everyone being more stressed, plus an election, plus however many other things. I believe you're right. I think all those, you take into account the pandemic, social anxiety, droughts, derechos, all that together, a lot of stress out there. I will tell you, you know, you mentioned something I hadn't thought about, but there was no mention of the fall election in any of these survey responses. And that's kind of a surprise. I think what that tells us is Iowa business people, for the most most part, are focused on 
getting their product out today, servicing customers, taking care of business. And while they're greatly interested in politics and government, that's sort of secondary to, to taking care of business. On a day-to-day basis. There right, may be right. some overarching issues, and we may be all stressed at the number of ads that we seem to be inundated with, but they set that aside and, and really put nose to the grindstone. Well, you right. mentioned the capital expenditures, and it's one thing to say sales are good. It's another to right. say, well, we're going to have a good employee level. But let's face it, when you're putting capital expenditures on the table, bricks and mortar, expensive equipment, et cetera, that's a major, major tell, if you will, about the health of an industry or a business. Well, I sure think you're right. I mean, what we're talking about is these women and men who run these businesses have to make the conscious decision to take money away from the bottom line to reinvest in the businesses. You say it could be, you know, an addition to the plant, it could be a new piece of sophisticated equipment or machinery, whatever. But the point is, they feel, number one, good enough about the economy. Prospects for increased business are strong, and they feel uh, good enough about their own company that they're willing to make that investment in their business and in their employees, and that's terrific. Mike Ralston is president of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. You can learn more about their fourth quarter member survey by going to iowaabi.org. Still to come, how COVID-19 has impacted women in the workplace. And you'll hear from an author who has seen a revolution in how books are produced. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Earlier this year on this program, we introduced you to Tiffany O'Donnell, CEO of Women Lead Change, an organization based in Cedar Rapids, with offices in Des Moines and the Quad Cities. The mission of the group is to develop, advance, and promote women and organizations to impact the economy and future workforce. I checked back recently with Tiffany O'Donnell to see how the COVID-19 pandemic may have impacted women in the workforce. We have people who are able to work remotely and work from wherever they want to work. So that is real and that that is definitely happening. And what that's forcing managers and companies to do is really be more productivity-based, less checking the boxes of to-do lists and more, where are you? Have you accomplished this task? And, And that can be a real challenge for those of us who've been in the workplace a long time. And certainly for those of us who've managed people for a long time, that's just not how we've done it. You know, we're, we're comfortable, you know, checking in and knowing where people are and, and giving them to do's. Um, but now we're finding, you know, the real successful workplaces are now empowering their teams to do their work in their own time, set a deadline and meet it. You know, the other side of that, as a team member who wants to reinforce your value, I always recommend give your leader a little checklist of either what you're working on this week and then follow up and say, this is what I accomplished this week. Again, it's that over-communication in this virtual environment. And the people who get this are going to be successful because, you know, it can be a bit of a black hole, out of sight, out of mind. That's not a good thing for anybody who wants to ascend in leadership. But it's also not a good thing if you don't want to reinforce the good work that you're doing. So for leaders, I say, you know, continue to empower your teams and be focused more on results. And then for team members, communicate 
let everybody know what you're up to. And then at the end of the day, let them know how you did. I appreciate the conversation around women and men, Jeff, because I know there are men more and more as we talk about equality, it's really going to require real partnerships. Tiffany O'Donnell, CEO of Women Lead Change, online at wlcglobal.org. And the group has recently started a regular podcast called Own It. You can find it on most of the podcast vendors, including Apple, Google, and Spotify, by searching for WLC Global or Own It. You can also listen to our podcast the same way by searching for Iowa Business Report. Coming up, the evolution of getting books to your reading table. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, helping develop the next generation of business leaders through Leadership Iowa, Business Horizons, and Leadership Iowa University. To learn more, go to iowaabi.org. In this week's business profile, we meet Mike Chapman. He's a Waterloo native now living in Newton. He spent 35 years as a newspaper writer, editor, and publisher, and with his wife Beverly, founded Iowa History Journal magazine. They also founded Culture House Books, which is understandable because Mike Chapman has written 31 of them over time, including the official biography of Ambassador and Governor Terry Branstead. When I tell people about my first book called Two Guys Named Dan, which I wrote in 1974, two years after Dan Gable won the Olympics, and the other Dan is the great Dan Hodge from the University of Oklahoma, who was undefeated three-time NCAA champ and to this day is the only amateur wrestler ever to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. So I decided to come up with the idea of two guys named Dan. At the time, I was sports editor in Fort Collins, Colorado. Well, I write the whole book on a typewriter, roll out the pages, take out my pen and make all kinds of adjustments and changes. Then my dear wife, Beverly, retypes the whole thing again. And then I make a second set of changes. The manuscript's supposed to be turned in to a company in Milwaukee after this one weekend when I'd agreed to be best man in a friend's wedding in Newton, Iowa, of all places. We have a Pinto station wagon. We're driving down the highway, Interstate 80, from Fort Collins to Newton, a 10-hour drive. I'm behind the wheel, and my wife is in the back seat with the typewriter on her lap and the manuscript pasted on the seat covers, turning the pages, retyping the book. Can you imagine? And I tell that story to my kids and other people, and they just look at me with this blank expression. So that's the process we had to go through back then, Jeff. And then when computers came in and I'd cut and copy and paste and move around, the whole process has just changed so much. So my last couple books, we don't drive down the highway with Bev in the back seat retyping it. And going back to 1974, that era, you would create a manuscript, you would send it to a publisher who would then have to typeset it on very proprietary machines. There might be photography, design, etc., but that was all done by hand because you're pasting things up literally for the daily newspaper the same way. You're doing everything by hand. Cost a lot of money, took a long time, 
much quicker process now with computers. Oh, immeasurably quicker. And Bev and I do all our own layout and design. Now, my 31 books, Jeff, Bev and I created a company called Culture House about 30 years ago. And we've actually published 17 books ourselves. And people say, why would you do that? Well, you have a lot better control of, for instance, one book uh, they said we could only, that I was going to sell to the University of Oklahoma Press, they said we could only use 15 pictures. And I said, well, I've got 60 pictures. This guy was a champion in so many different elements, and I don't think I can cut him back. And they said, well, it's a formula. It's our formula that works. So I said, I'm not going to do that. So I, I didn't have the University of Oklahoma publish the book. We did it ourselves. And the book sold extremely well. And a lot of it was because we had 60 pictures in there. So you take a risk, but you control the process yourself. And then like I tell friends of mine, I have friends calling all the time who want to publish a book. And I said, the writing is the easy and fun part. The most difficult part by far is the marketing and the sales. It's, it's, it's a tough grind. It really is. When we're talking about the business of all of this, you did set up your own company so that you would have a way to handle the costs involved with the marketing and the production, and arguably you could take on other people's works if you wanted to. It was a small business that you had while you were doing other things. But it takes an awful lot to make the leap to start a small business, or in your case, this was not the phrase that was used then, but it is now. You apparently are a serial entrepreneur, which means you have multiple projects. You go from one project, you start it, you get it up and running, then you hand it off to the next generation. That was the case with WIN, which stood for? Wrestling Insider News Magazine. So you started that, you shepherded it. You then handed it off to the next generation. The same with Iowa History Journal and, of course, the Dan Gable Museum National Wrestling Hall of Fame, which you founded in Newton and now lives in Waterloo. So for someone who's listening who says, I have ideas, I want to do things, but I'm just a little timid, I'm a little apprehensive, what does it take in your mind so that that individual crosses the line and actually does what it is they have a mind to do? That's a great question, Jeff. I tell people who want to write a book and being in a newspaper business for 35 years, I have all kinds of people come up to me. In fact, one of them came up to me, worked with me at the Gazette, and he says, I'm a better writer than you, Chapman, and I've never had a book published. And I said, yeah, you may be a better writer than me, but I have discipline and I know how to follow my heart. Jeff, I say to people who want to write a book, there's two keys. You have to have the passion to do the research and know the subject, and you have to have the discipline to write the book. And I'm disciplined. I learned that from weightlifting. As you know, I'm a weightlifting nut, have been for 60 years. And wrestling background, I learned a lot from being around people like Dan Gable. It's okay to dream big, but you better know how to follow up or those dreams are just going to slip away. So you have to have the passion and you have to have the discipline. And Jeff, there's one other key ingredient. You have to have a certain tolerance for risk. And it can't be a risk that you've never calculated or looked at. You look at a project. Now, I know for a fact I couldn't have done Culture House books or Wind Magazine or Iowa History Journal without my wife, Beverly. She's the former vice president of a bank. 
She understands bookkeeping, P&L statements, all the record keeping that would have driven me bonkers. I'm a creative person. I'm not good at that kind of stuff. So we were the perfect team. And she took care of all the business ends, all the taxes, complying with state regulations. And, and honestly, if I hadn't married somebody like Bev, there's no way I would have done any of this. I might have written one or two books, but I certainly wouldn't have started three businesses. Well, actually four. I've started four businesses. And they're all still four in existence. But I also found out this about myself, Jeff. I'm a creator, not a maintainer. I'm full of ideas, and I get really excited about creating something. I've got 31 books at home sitting on my bookshelf that I created, and almost all of them are in the National Library in D.C., so they should be here as long as there's the United States of America. But I very seldom go back and look at any of those books, although the other day, I'd written a book about Achilles at the same time the movie Troy came out with Brad Pitt as Achilles in 2004. And I had a couple people try to buy them from me. They said on eBay they're selling for outrageous prices, 75 to 100 bucks. So I went back and read it. I thought, oh, I'll read a chapter here. And over two days I read the whole book. I thought, this is pretty interesting, Mike. And I wrote it 14 years ago. So I'm very good at starting something and giving it all I've got for a year. And then I just move on, Jeff. Mike Chapman of Culture House Books. Many of his books are available online at mike-chapman.com. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. You'll also find podcasts of full interviews with folks you hear on this program. They're listed as IBR Extras and IBR Business Profiles. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, including iHeart, Apple, and Google. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Follow ABI on Twitter at IowaABI and online at iowaabi.org.